good to see you this morning. Everybody getting situated here. I'm grateful for the opportunity to talk this week. It's been fun rotating with Luke, although I always say and mean it, I'd rather listen to Luke than to hear me preach. I appreciate his perspective and his truths that he brings to us, especially from the Torah portions. So this morning, I want to speak on what I'm calling the basics, which I'm pretty much a foundational type of individual, because I believe if the foundation foundations aren't correct, then whatever is going to be built on top of it is going to be precarious at best. Uh, you know, the fool built his house in the sand, the wise man built it on a rock. We're going to face the storms of life. Things are going to come. And I probably, more than anybody in this room, struggle with the storms of life and the, the variations that are thrown at me, quote-unquote, or I could say allowed by God to come into my life. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's necessary, and I'm going back in my own life to the basics, to the foundations. Uh, I've been saved now since 73, so that's what... I can't do the math, 43 years maybe, something like that. Um, and it's been really an interesting journey, but in many ways I find that I, I am going back to my roots. And what I mean by that is some, some basic foundational elements that are in the scriptures that I wonder if sometimes be in our quest to grow and in our quest to gain information and knowledge, we leave some of the supporting elements behind us. and and and. I find that the foundation in any structure needs to be uh, attended to every now and then because foundations, not biblically speaking, but foundations of structures sometimes weaken, uh, sometimes uh, need shoring up. And so I think in a sense in our own individual Christian life, if we're going to continue to build the proper structure, we need to continually address the foundational elements of things. So that's kind of what I want to look at today. We're going to look at a few different passages. You can, if you want, turn this morning to 1 Corinthians 12. It's not where we're going to end up. But I was thinking about since I've been in this Messianic Hebraic Roots movement, again, we're still struggling for a name for what it's called, but those of you that are involved in this, you know what we're saying. You know, we've come back to, or maybe we were never that far away from, but we found an avenue, found a path. We found others that think like we have been thinking, that God wants us to live out the whole scriptures. You know, we can designate it Old and New Testaments, but the truth is it's all God's word. And sometimes I think it's a misnomer and we do disservice to break it up like that. The whole thing from Genesis to Revelation is the living word of God. It's all the Torah. You know, I know we call the first five books the Torah, and maybe technically that's true, but the whole word of God is the whole word of God. And so um, I'm excited to be in this Hebraic roots movement, quote-unquote. Uh, but since I've been in it, I've, I've noticed probably at least a couple things that uh, I want to bring to our attention this morning. And first off, and this is just kind of talking for a little bit, um, I think perhaps we're still a little Greek in our thinking. And what I mean by that is our pursuit for knowledge. Now, I have to say up front, I'm all for knowledge. We have to have knowledge. I don't want any of us to be stupid. 
uh, you know, in relation to the Word of God. That's why I love to listen to Luke preach because I've, I've, even though he's my son, I've learned a ton from listening under him, especially along the lines of this Hebraic mindset. But I think in this Hebraic movement, well-intentioned, we've come back to what I'm calling a Greek mindset is knowledge. And that if we acquire knowledge, you know, if we get all the feasts down just right and all the festivals and all the holidays, you know, and if we start to learn Hebrew and if we can get a grasp on Hebrew, that's going to open up a bunch of nuances that you only find if you can get back to the three-letter root of a word. And again, I'm not opposed to any of that. But not everybody is going to be able to learn Hebrew, and not everybody is going to be able to learn Greek. And I don't know if that's totally necessary. And so what's happened in our Hebraic Messianic movement is, once again, and I think without thinking about it, our Messianic teachers have, by way of osmosis, almost started all over again, part of the reason why we left Christianity that we don't need to be dependent upon the pastor or the leader to get into the depths and plummet the, the deeper meanings of the Word of God. And so now we come into the Hebraic Messianic mindset, and so now our Hebraic teachers are once again expounding to us the, the, the wonders of getting to know the original languages. <laughs> there are very few of us in the Hebraic Roots movement that know enough about Hebrew to begin to even talk about it. You know, because we go to a source and that source gives us a definition and then we can get up and say, here's the three-letter root and this is an ox and this is a house and this is a piece of land, or whatever it may be, now we can dig into the depths and plummet the depths of the Word of God. Again, nothing wrong with that. But I don't want us to be sitting out here thinking until I can grasp some of this stuff, I'm never going to plummet what's in the Word of God. Or now, you know, now the Hebrew group movements, you have to get into the Greek. And, oh, it, which manuscripts, which family of manuscripts, what, you know, what edition of the Nestle Alon are you going to be using? I don't know that it's that complicated. And I don't know that God necessarily meant it to be there. Do I want to sit under somebody that knows Hebrew and Greek? Absolutely. But make no mistake, the original Hebrew and the original quote-unquote air quotes Greek doesn't exist anymore. The original's gone. So we're piecing together, I believe, under the providence of God, the best manuscripts that are there, and I think it's been done for us a long time ago, going back to the 1600s, where we have what is supposed to be the Word of God. And I'm resting in that. And if any of you have read my blogs, which I hope you have, you know, the one on Miss Ines Milford, and then the one on 20 Questions. These were just very basic believers that probably Miss Ines Milford in particular was just happy to be able to read the King's English and have a Bible she could read. And the, and the guy who was the head of the radio station playing a game of 20 questions with the two professors there that knew Greek and, and taught in the Bible school, and here he is, just a regular guy running a Christian radio station. He's the one that has a greater knowledge of the Word of God. And as I said in my blog, it's like after talking to the guy with the 20 questions game, I'm thinking to myself, why did I even go to Bible college? 
<laughs> you know, again, there was a purpose for it, but here's this plain man who all he did is read his Bible from cover to cover, cover to cover, cover to cover, cover to cover, cover to cover. I don't think he was worried about Hebrew. I don't think he was worried about Greek. But you know what? He knew this book. And that's what I want us to have. I don't want us to get into a mindset, and whoever of you may be listening to this, to where unless we have the commentaries, unless we have this, that, and the other thing, just this plain old book that we have in our English language, I'm never going to plummet the depths of it. I have to believe God's bigger than that, and the Holy Spirit resides within us, and I believe he can open up to our conscious, our understanding, the mindset that he has for us to be able to acquire. So... I'm afraid we're, we're still a little too Greek. I think we think if we learn enough, then we have become what we're supposed to be. Um, and I think there's not a place, enough emphasis placed on relationship. I wonder if we're sliding into scholarship, once again, knowledge, and somehow equating that if we have knowledge, if we have scholarship, we have relationship. And I want to submit to you that I think we're kind of lean on the relationship side of things. See, we like to study and we like to learn. That's the easy part. You know what the hard part is? Developing relationship. Any relationship. Judy and I have been married 37 years. We're still building relationship. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes a desire. It takes the fact that I want to know that person. And what I want us to come away with, at least with what I'm saying now, is I wonder how many of us in this Hebraic Messianic movement are really working on having a relationship with God and are really working on having a relationship, a fellowship with our Savior. Are you spending time with Him? And you have to answer those questions. Now, we can't make a God out of Spending time with God. But I think we're so enamored with listening to tapes, CDs, reading these books, getting on the Hebrew Roots Network and, and listening to all these great Hebraic teachers that are there, that that has become our time of relationship, and it's not. Listen, I told you about George Mueller and Lester Roloff, and you go back to any of these great movers and shakers that God has used in the past. I know they're Christian, but the one thing they had was they had a relationship with God and anything that sprang out of their life. Jonathan Edwards with the revival that happened in New England. It didn't come because he had so much knowledge. It came because he had a previous relationship with God. And I'm not talking salvation relationship. That's the starting point. But I mean getting to know him. Tell me, where are we going to get to know him? Are you going to get it from listening to your favorite Hebrew roots teacher? Yes. But all they're doing is the best they know how is to regurgitate to us what they've come up with themselves, right? You know, I don't want to be feasting on the regurgitation all the time of these guys. I want to feast on stuff that God gives me. And he can do that for all of us. I'm just saying, I don't think we want to put the time and effort into it. We get up, we go to work, and this book lies dormant. So not to beat this to death, but 
I have to beat it to death because I've been in this long enough now to know that this is a basic that God's people are still stumbling over. You have to ask yourself, how is your relationship personally with God? Is he like a friend that sticketh closer than a brother? And we're just playing at this all over again, guys. And I'm afraid we're playing at it all over again in the Hebraic movement because we figure if we wear a kippah, put on a shawl, wear zitzitz, we say the Shema, and we learn the lingo, and we know the three-letter root levels of the words that we're okay. And we're not. And how do I know that? Because the Hebraic roots movement is, in a sense, in a shambles. So that's one of the things that I think there's an overemphasis on, scholarship over relationship. You have to choose. You have to choose. I want to be Miss Inez Milford. If you've not read my blog, you have to. I want to be uh, the fellow that was in charge of running the Christian radio station. Would I love to be the other professors? Yes. But if I had to choose, I want the guy that has his Bible next to him in the car. And he says, I don't have an answer for you. I just read it from cover to cover. <laughs> I'm bleeding all over the place talking to the guy. <sighs> all right, second thing that I think there's an overemphasis on. And I might make some people mad. I might make some, make some people glad. And I might make some of you nervous. I don't care anymore. <laughs> I really don't, in the right sense. I just don't care anymore. I have tried to care so long, and the way I've been living in the last probably umpteen years of my Christian existence, I, I can't care anymore. I have to start casting all my care upon Yeshua. Anybody read my latest blog? You know, it, it has to come down to total trusting him. Take no thought. Matthew 6 you know, I could care less how well you know Hebrew if you're not living out Matthew 6. Can I get an amen anywhere? Right, right, right? I, okay, i got to stay on track. So, I think the second thing that there's an overemphasis on, and it's not just the Messianic movement, it's in Christianity. And, and let me just try to say it like this. I am amazed at how many times we had an individual visiting here not too long ago, having a great conversation. And invariably, and it's not just this individual, it's with other individuals in the Messianic movement and, and, and even in Christianity. I'm just always amazed that no matter, and I, I'm uh, embracing too much here when I say that no matter. I know I'm saying exclusive term, and, uh, you know. But anyway, get, get what I'm saying. It's amazing to me that... It comes down to tongues. It just seems somehow to come back to speaking in tongues. Do you speak in tongues? I have the gift. Do you have the gift? And, and, and there's a lot of it in the Hebraic movement because, as I understand it, a lot of the Hebraic people have come out of uh, Pentecostalism and Assembly of Gods. And, and I'm, not gonna, I'm not arguing the rightness or the wrongness of tongues right now. I, that's not where I'm going with this. 
I have probably, I've had experience going back 45 years now, two years before I was saved with this thing of tongues. For the last 45 years of my life, I wish I could count up how many times, out of all the gifts of the Spirit, how many times it's always tongues. Now, I don't know about you, but when I see an overemphasis or an imbalance, I'm concerned. I'm just concerned. And so now it's in the Hebraic movement where tongues is almost like the, the, the line of demarcation that says you're kind of there or you're kind of not. And I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of the whole tongues issue. I've been almost a half a century at this, and I am so sick and tired of hearing about tongues. You want to believe tongues are great and it's right and it's your personal prayer language? I'm not arguing with you. I, in ways, maybe, if this is all true, and I don't have it because I don't, I'm envious in the right sense of you. I have asked God over the last 43 years more times than I would like to admit for the gift of tongues. A hundred times, maybe? I, don't, I mean, I've done everything I know to do, even if some of you might remember Catherine Kuhlman. This is going back a long, long time ago. She's talked about speaking in tongues. I don't know if she's good or not. I would go home. And spend hours on my knees praying for the gift of tongues. I did it before I was saved. And since I've been saved, now I'm still doing it. Because if I'm supposed to have it, I want it. So I'm not arguing the point anymore. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying as far as this congregation, as far as I understand it, with Luke being a leader... If, if you're into tongues and that's a big thing for you, then we're not for you. you know, I can tell you a couple places not too far from here where you can probably fit in just well. And that, I'm okay with that. I just don't like the overemphasis of it. Now, let's look at 1 Corinthians 12. Did I tell you the time here yet? 1 Corinthians 12. Now, we're going to read the whole chapter. And we're going to move on, and I have a point to all of this. So you just need, if you can, hang with me. All right, 1 Corinthians 12. I'll wait for you to get there. We're going to read through it. Now, interestingly, Luke just gave me a book by Brad on uh, tongues, uh, not tongues, on gifts of the Spirit. And getting Luke's understanding of it is, I think, and, and Brad's not alone in this, and they may be right and I'm not, um, that all the gifts are for Everybody, or, or every gift, did I understand what you're saying, right? That the believer should have every gift because they're from the Holy Spirit. I don't agree with that. Potentially, yes. Maybe at different times in our life, God will gift us with a gift. But they're not all operating at the same time in one individual. Uh, and so, and I don't know that every individual is supposed to have all the gifts. I, I just don't at this point accept that. But I am saying that I think individuals have, will have gifts of the Spirit, maybe even more than one. And perhaps we should have at least one. I don't know. All right, let's, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. It's interesting. You have to understand, I'm not going to get into it. He's writing to the Corinthians. The Corinthian assembly is, is not necessarily the assembly that he, Paul is wanting to hold up and say, hey, the rest of you out there, model this assembly right now because they are what they're supposed to be. Use them as a litmus test. Be like them. 
it's in it's it's a lot of it uh well I won't say a lot of it a portion of it is corrective because of some abuses excesses now that may be why he's addressing it here and I think in part it is why Paul is addressing it here with the Corinthians I think it became excessive an overemphasis Paul doesn't say don't speak in tongues Paul even says late uh, that he himself speaks in tongues and he wishes all would Again, I'm not arguing that point. I'm arguing an imbalance, all right? All right, verse 2. And then we'll just read through the rest of it without me saying anything because we'll never get through. All right, so. Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Yeshua accursed, and that no man can say that uh, Yeshua is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given the Spirit, uh, sorry, for to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the same self. Uh, but all these worketh that one and self same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Dividing to every man severally as he will. There's a division here. For as a body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is uh, Messiah. For by one spirit are we all baptized or immersed or placed into uh, one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not in the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our comely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need. But God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it. Or one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Messiah, and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, the assembly, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, Helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? 
But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. Now, what I would like to see happen is when X person comes into our fellowship here and wants to talk about gifts, what amazes me is I have, in all my years of being saved, in the discussion of gifts, I have never had one person ever, and I've been around thousands and thousands and thousands of believers in the course of my existence, not one of us has ever said, oh, by the way, I want to share with you, I have the gift of helps. How come nobody has the gift of helps? Anybody have the gift of helps anywhere? What do they have? The gift of tongues. I've never, ever had one person ever say, you know what my gift is? Amongst maybe a few others, I interpret tongues. Why don't we have interpreter gift people? I'm not this, I am not saying this is not true and possibly even relevant for today. I am saying there is an imbalance. I want some people that have the gift of helps. What happened? That one has fallen by the wayside? I had a fellow back in my church had been coming before we were even there. Uh, and while I was there, felt the call to go off to Bible college somewhere. So went off to Bible college. Not sure he finished. Came back. He comes up, comes up to me one day and says, you know, Pastor, I, I'd like to be a deacon. And I'm thinking, who, in the first place, whoever informs the pastor they want to be a deacon? I don't, don't know. Never had it happen. Maybe it's normal. I don't think so. So, so I said, I'm telling you, you are not going to be a deacon. I didn't say it with the sarcasm. I'm saying it right now. You're not going to be a deacon. I did say this, though. In this church, until I first see you cleaning the bathrooms after services. Now, at the time in our church, I cleaned the bathrooms after services. Not so much the girls wasn't a problem, but, you know, young boys, I want to say, don't aim at the toilet. Then they'll get it, right? I think they all go aiming at the toilet, and it's all over the place. Yeah, aim at the sink, and it probably would not make it to the toilet. It, the, the floors were a disaster. And he... And, and I started doing this as soon as I was pastor there because I was hoping somebody would see an example. <laughs> Never happened. But they want to be a deacon. Now, to his credit, he did uh, start cleaning the bathrooms. I don't think it lasted real long, though. I, w I was reminded while thinking about this, that the church, I think it was that we were in in Arizona while we were uh, before we got into the Hebraic movement, the, the pastor or the guest speaker was saying, my, my, my facts may be a little off on the presentation of this, but um, nobody knew who took care of the, the church facility except the leadership because this individual wanted it quiet. So after many, many, many years, the people start noticing the light, fix, the, the light bulbs aren't being replaced. And the place doesn't look quite as tidy, and, and there's paper here, there, and everywhere. So they're trying to figure out, well, what happened? Why, what's going on here? The person had died. 
and now they knew who was doing it. <laughs> Where are those of us that are serving God and not having our left hand know what our right hand is doing and not saying, look, I'm taking care of it. How come we don't have people with that kind of gift? And we do, I'm sure. But there's an overemphasis on everything else except for tongues. That bothers me. You know, I've had people tell me they have the gift of healings, the gift of miracles, they can cast out demons, they can speak in tongues. Gosh, what's the matter? I mean, are they reading the, the condensed version of the Bible? It seems like there's a few other things here that never get highlighted. Why? I'm asking us to ask ourselves why. All right, now. All right, so where am I going with this part of it? Turn with me, if you would, to uh, Galatians 5. Here's a, this is a, an, another example of something in all my experience. I've not had anybody who claims to be a believer come up to me and mention this. Okay? What is, has always been brought up is the gifts of the Spirit. And this just dawned on me probably within the last month because I, I don't know if I was laying in bed at night, you know, because of some of the experiences of folks coming into the assembly here that have come and left. Um, you know, this thing of the gift of the spirits. I mean, gifts of the spirit. Um, so I got thinking. And, it, and I don't know why, but my, my mind went to Galatians 5. And I won't read what it precedes, but verse, starting in verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. All right, now, it may have happened as I'm thinking of it, but I can't recall it. I've not had anybody really that I can recall come up to me, you know what, God's working in my heart about the fruit of the Spirit. Really? I mean, think about it yourself. Anybody? Have we been talking about, myself included, about the fruit of the Spirit that God is working into my life? See, we, we want the gifts of the Spirit because, I can't judge everybody's motives, probably comes to my eyes, because the focus is on me. Oh, you can heal? I said somebody not too long ago here, I said, I wish I had known you, tell me as a gift of healing, when I had my cancer. Because you would have been the first one I would have gone to see. And I said to this individual, tapped him on the shoulder, if my cancer comes back, I'm calling on you. <laughs> see, there are two things at play here. Gifts of the Spirit and fruit of the Spirit. I have to think that the fruit of the Spirit is kind of the foundation upon which maybe some of these other things that are very important build on. Because 
Have you memorized it? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Yeah, God's working on Hey, hey, yeah, nice to meet you. You know what? God's working in my heart for me. Versus, do you speak in tongues? Do you get where I'm going here? There's nothing spectacular about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. But it is long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there's no Torah. You want to build a Torah foundation in your life and in your assembly and in your families? Let's get some emphasis on at least the fruit of the Spirit. What drives me nuts even about myself? All right, raise your hand. Anybody got fruit of the Spirit number one down? Love. <laughs> got one over there. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Naomi. Thank you very much, Naomi. Actually, anyway. Um, are you getting my drift here? But yet we want to talk about tongues. <laughs> what the, has anybody read the book of James lately? What's a deadly member in our mouth? All right, anybody got the tongue tamed? I'm taking hands. Why do we think that God is going to bestow upon us the gifts of the Spirit and we have done nothing, nothing in concert with God to get Him to work within us the fruit of the Spirit? It's a ninefold cluster, as I've heard it explained, and I believe it's true. It is the fruit. Of the Spirit, not the fruits, the fruit. You know, I think if you want to bite into an apple, it sure would be good if we had all the parts there, right? I sure would hate to bite upon an apple that has nothing on the inside, but it has just a nice core and a good skin, right? So I hope I'm not talking to the air because sometimes I feel that I am. I need us, me, to work on relationship. I don't impress yourself with your knowledge if you're not building relationship with God. I don't care to hear any more about how you have the gift of tongues if you can't tell me God's working his fruit into your life and you've been focusing on that. I mean, I can't get past the first three. Love, joy, peace. You know, love. Do I love my Judy? Do I love you like I'm supposed to? No. Does she love? No. Joy. You know, she's happier than I am, but I don't have joy. Peace. Come on. We have to get back to this stuff, or we're just dead in the water, folks. We're dead in the water. This is what the world needs to see in us. They don't need to be impressed with our credentials. All those letters after our name. They don't need to be impressed with the fact that I can have in my prayer closet this heavenly language and I'm speaking to God. What they need to see is a living demonstration of the basic elements of any life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. I think that's what's going to save our 
loved ones, hopefully, and our friends and neighbors. We have to at least be there. All right, now, let's end with this. Where do we start? Go, go to Colossians 3. I've always said over the years that for Warren, as important as these bigger things are, the gifts and all this stuff, I, I've, and I've said to people in these discussions, first off, if anybody in, in the future wants to talk to you about the gifts, this is what I'm going to do, if I remember. If somebody starts talking to me about the gifts of the Spirit, you know, I'm going to say, you know what, that's great. But I've chosen for right now to place my emphasis on the fruit of the Spirit. I can't wait to do it for the first time. Right? Um, So along the years, in relation to all this stuff, I've said to people, and I have said to people, I don't know about you, but I'm still working on Colossians chapter 3. Now let's read Colossians 3. And you tell yourself where you are in relation to what is in Colossians 3 and where you think work needs to be done or carried on. All right? If ye then be risen with Christ. So that's the first question, right? Are you saved? Are you born again? Are you washed in the blood of Yeshua? Have you been risen with Christ? Meaning you placed in Him and you're already, according to Ephesians, seated with Him in the heavenlies. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ, uh, Messiah, sitteth on the right hand of God. All right, let's start with this. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Where's your heart? Where's your emotions? Where's your direction? What's important to you? Why? Verse 3, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Messiah and God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. All right, here we go. Mortify, therefore, and put to death, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. I know those are big words. You can go online, get the original Webster Dictionary, put in some of these words, and it will tell you what they mean. I'm not going to do your homework for you. I'm always, I'm always agonizing over, should I tell everybody what the definitions are? You know what I learn best is when somebody doesn't tell me what it is, and I have enough desire and uh, gumption inside to say, you know what, I'm going to go home and find out what this word means. Because I bet many of us just read the scriptures, and we read words, but we really don't know what they're talking about. Like the word uh, peculiar. We're a peculiar people. You know, what does that word peculiar mean? In, in all... Modern translations, it's translated differently than peculiar. If you go to yourself, go to a, a, an early Webster dictionary, it says it, that the word means ownership or to be taken possession of, right? Because I know you looked into it. We're a peculiar people. We're a bought people, a people that don't own themselves. We have been bought and paid for. We signed on for the deal. We are his possession, Go home and look up some words. I do it all the time. I used to, not because I did it this way, but I, when I was saved and going to Bible college in the summertime, I'd come home and I would teach the adult Sunday school class. Well, they were amazed at my knowledge. And I 
you know, people would ask me, how do you know this stuff? You know, because I would define words and they were looking for some great thing that I did. I, I said, right now, and that's all I had was a dictionary. I said, I just go to the dictionary and look up the words. And they were amazed. It's like, wow. You know, I've been to Bible college now. They're thinking that I'm going to give them this wonderful tidbit. All I was doing was using a dictionary. It will enhance your understanding. All right, I got to keep going. So, verse 6. For which sakes, uh, for which things sake, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now, here we go, some more of the basics. But now ye also put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice. Anybody been angry lately? Had a little wrath? Malice, not necessarily the best thoughts about others. Don't talk to me about tongues. Not yet. Blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. I don't like that one because oft times when I'm angry, it didn't used to happen, but it has probably in the last 10 years. Man, that old language that I used to use of all those bad swear words, Oh, they can come out so easily. Filthy communication, whatever that may be. Jesting with wrong jokes. You know, I, I don't know what you want to do with that. Uh, verse 9. Lie not to one another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his leads, uh, deeds. Lying. We don't lie, right? None of us here lie. Well, we can speak in tongues. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Messiah is all in all. That's one of those verses, even though it's in uh, Galatians and all the contrary, this is one of those verses that seem to say to me, hmm, there's no distinction. We are all one in Messiah in this body that's called Israel. You know what to do with that. Verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Messiah forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Messiah dwell in you, richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart. And whatsoever you do, make sure that you learn Greek and Hebrew, or you won't be able to do any of this. No. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Yeshua, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Now he's going to get really down to earth. Wives, submit yourself unto your own husbands as is fit in the Lord. You know by now what questions I'll ask. Ask yourself. All right? Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. 
Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your master according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Messiah. But he that doeth wrong shall receive the wrong which he hath done. And there's no respect of persons. Chapter 4, Masters. Give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye have a master in heaven. Continue in prayer and watching the same with thanksgiving, with all praying for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance. And then he goes on. All right, like I said, I'm just really, I really am at heart a pretty simple person. I, I'm, I, I am not intelligent. I, I just not. I have to work for, I mean, I'm not dumb, but I, and I am smart. But I really have to work hard at what I achieve and what I learn. Um, you know, you might get it two times. It takes me four or five times. I'm just a basic guy. I really am. I I'm never going to be that professor in the Bible college. But I'm okay with that. Because I'd rather be Miss Inez Milford or the man that runs the radio station. That's who I'd like to be. Uh, George Mueller said he got to the place where he just laid aside all commentaries and just decided to read the Word of God just all by itself. And he said the first night he did it, he got more out of it than, than out of all his previous readings before. God spoke to him directly. Lester Roloff, my hero of the faith that I, I knew, um, he, he said he got to the point where he just got rid of all his commentaries. Now, granted, these guys have been in it for a while. They've read a lot. They've learned a lot. But I find it interesting that they reached this point where it's like, that really doesn't satisfy. Man's, man's knowledge that I regurgitate is not always going to satisfy me. I, I love Lester Roloff. <laughs> I heard him preach many, many times. And he was, he was in Hebrews chapter 11. He, he had many children's homes. He, you know, he, he needed finances to run it all, God. You know, he had been to a Southern Baptist uh, college, and, and he's no dumb buddy. But he's up there talking about uh, Hebrews 11. Now, now, faith is the substance of things hope for the evidence of things not seen. And he, this is what he said. And no, everybody knew he, that he's not right on what he says, but everybody knew he was right on what he said. He said, what I need is some now faith. I don't need yesterday faith, tomorrow faith. I need now faith, right now. Ever think of it that way? No. That's not what it's saying, right? Now faith. But that has stuck with me. Now faith. I need some right now. I need now faith. Present faith. Real faith. Why don't you let God give you your own message? I love Glester Roloff. He, gosh, I'm sure I told a story. I'm going to tell again. What? Well, two stories. So he was in my Bible college t talking to the preacher. I'm going to back up even further than that because I have time. I'm saved now, probably a year, on my freshman year in college. I have heard, because we had to go chapel every day. I have heard chapel messages ad nauseum. Because they were all so proper and cookie cutter and, and so right. One day, and I'm sitting in the front, you know, it's just 10 rows back. I don't know what it was, and I never sat there before. I think it's amazing how God placed me, because and, and, I never would have met Judy if he didn't do that. So this guy comes up, bald, just this manly man. And he's got these three girls behind him. 
And he starts preaching, and they're singing. And this is like I've never seen. Girls, do you love Jesus? Oh, yes. And he just, they're singing, and, and he's just a ball of fire. He opens up the Word of God. He's just spitting, snorting, and preaching, and it's like, wow. And I, honest to God, said, there's the Apostle Paul. And I wept and wept and wept. I had a, after it was done, I was still weeping and I ran out of there because I met somebody finally to whom it was real. It, it was a relationship, not academics with him. He didn't have the PhDs, although somebody did eventually. He, he got an honorary doctor and he said, Get, me taking that is like putting uh, whipped cream on an onion. <laughs> you got to go online and listen to Les Revolve when you get going. Oh, he's unbelievable. Okay, I got to not get sidetracked. So, so then he comes and preaches somewhere a couple years later at a uh, preacher boys class. And so I think, I got to talk to this guy. And uh, I think he had been... I forget what he was talking about. So I kind of hung back. I had no class. Everybody's gone. And out he comes. And I say, Brother Roll, can I talk to you? I forget what I talked about. I'm expecting this giant six foot six guy. He was shorter than I am. And I'm walking alongside this guy. And uh, at first, I think, I forget what I asked him, but he was primed for what I, everything but what I did ask him. And, and I think it had, oh, I know, it had to do with health. Because if anybody you follow us for off, he was big into health. He had a lot of illnesses, a lot of problems with his child. He said they were whacking out my tonsils, my adenoids. And finally, we met this old lady that had her own herb garden. She had rotten in the spine. Nobody could help her. She just got her. She, she grew and planted she, and healed herself. And he met her and decided he's going to start eating the way God says in the Bible to eat. <laughs> How about that? A Christian decided to find out what the Bible says about eating and not eating. Wow! You know, we get in trouble for believing this. Lester Roloff could talk about it. So I, I, I waited for him and said, hey, you know, Brother Roloff. So he just very, he kind of a stern. I'm sure he's been through a lot. He don't know what this crazy guy is going to say. He's here and I'm walking this way. And I said, Brother Roloff, you know, how do I start, you know, on nutrition? You know, what do I do? You know, how, how do I, you know, find out what it is you know that you've hit upon? And I forget. He didn't have an answer, really. And to, I can't really remember what he said, but it took him by surprise. Well, I was hearing him, going to hear him preach. Uh, and I knew this at the, at the church down the street. He would come every year to preach two nights. And I'd, I'd go and I'd sit on the front row. I mean, I made sure, you, my wife would tell you, the kids will tell you, get to the movie. I want to be there early. I want a good seat. And I get made fun of this until you go to Star Wars and we get the worst seats in the whole place. <laughs> and so I'd get there early. You know, I'd get on the bus. I'd be the first one to wait for the bus because they'd run a shuttle bus. Man, I got there. I'm sitting in the front. As soon as that door opened, boom, I'm making a beeline. I got to hear what this man of God says. He's already ripped my heart apart. He's walking with God in a way that I didn't know was possible because I hadn't seen it before in anybody except him. So he gets up to preach, and he sees me, and he looks at me. He walks to the front of the pulpit and says, you know, for those of you that are interested, here's some information about nutrition, and he's looking at me, and, you know, there's a local uh, health food store that I go to when I come here, looking at me the whole time. 
And I thought, how incredible this guy <laughs> thought of me throughout the day and brought some brochures, and I took it, and that began my step in trying to figure out what to do, and thankfully my kids eat healthy, and I eat healthy now too. So one more Lester Oil story. I just had a shoot. So now we're out of college, we're married, and uh, I know you've heard these things. I just have to tell them again. I know everybody's going to go home and say, he's told us this is Valentine's. I don't care. Because it does my soul good. It brings me back to the basics. So we were going to hear my brother-in-law and I, Lester Roloff. He'd come a lot because we were down south. And this one time he'd say, it's the one time I want, because I hate to get my Bible signed. But I finally decided I'm going to have him sign my Bible. And so, he, but he says, he said, I don't want anybody coming up. You have to hear him out. He said, I don't want anybody coming up after the service. I don't have time to sign Bibles. I have to get in the plane. I got to get somewhere, and I'm already running late. And that's pretty much how he talked. Well, I don't care. <laughs> so I said, Kent, wait, wait, wait. Kent's more like Judy. No, Warren, no, come on. No. I said, Kent, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. Poor Kent. And so everybody's gone. So I want to see what's going to happen. He's still up on the, and some young people come out to him. Now, I don't know who they are, but I hence found out that they were some of the ex-people that had gone through his homes, and they were coming to talk to him. Well, I said, come on, Kent, come on, Kent, let's go. So we walk up there, get on the platform. I'm scared half to death. And we get up there, and I, and I say, because I'm leading, Kent's smart, he's staying behind, he's not going to be the one that gets the head chopped off. I said, you know, can we get your Bibles, our Bibles on? He said, Sons, I told you I don't have time to sign Bibles. I said, okay, all right, I'm sorry. sorry. Said, oh, no, never mind. Give me your Bibles. <laughs> and he had it was one of those flare pens, you know, the black ones that had the felt tip. I wish I don't have that Bible anymore. Anyway, so I give him my Bible. And he starts, he signs it. And starts writing passages and verses after another. And he looks at me, and both of us says, Boys, if you don't memorize these verses, you're either backslidden or mentally retarded. <laughs> now, in modern Christianity, we'd go home and complain to our pastor, Oh, Brother Roloff said I was either backslidden or mentally retarded. Or we'd run home and cry and whine. Or we'd say, Who's he to tell me that I'm either backslidden or mentally retarded? Who's he think he is? We've, we've lost some sinew in our... Christian body of Messiah. Messianic body of Messiah. Where am I going with all this? The basics! Lester Rawl said if you're going to be successful, you have to hide God's word in your heart. That's what sustains us. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How's your Bible memorization? How's mine? We don't even read it, let alone memorize it. And the only way we memorize it is if it happens to be a song up on the screen. Now, I'm saying, listen, we're still playing at this. After all these years, we're still playing at this. Because we're not living out the fruit of the Spirit. We're not living out Colossians 3. But yet, we got our teachers out there and our pastors, and we even think we're something because we can give a bunch of knowledge. I want knowledge that is imparted to me from a life that has a relationship with God. 
That's what drew me to Lester Roloff. That's what turned a lot of people off from Lester Roloff. I listened to his radio program every day at a 15-minute thing, and he said, I was woken up 2 o'clock at night, and the old devil said, you're not getting any more sleep tonight, because he'd get up early anyway. So he said, I, you know, and he's doing his late radio broadcast live, and, and he said, I've been up since 2 o'clock, and, and, and just reading the scriptures and pouring over the scriptures, and, 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 and he came filled, prepared, had something to say. Why? He had a relationship with George Mueller, if you read his biography, he'd say, because he pastored, he said sometimes he'd get there, he didn't know what he was going to say. He's been in the scriptures all week long, didn't have a sermon, didn't have nothing, didn't have anything. He said he'd sit there and, and or he'd look at the people, observe or whatever, and something would happen, something would be said, and he knew exactly what God wanted to preach on. And he preached extemporaneously from what was in his heart because of a relationship he had already had all week long with his heavenly so this is why I'm tired of it all. I'm just tired of it all. Not in a bad sense. It's just I want to be what I said in my blog the other day, a living demonstration of the power of God. And I'm sick and tired of myself. Right? I mean, we're anemic. Do you know, do I know that the, the, the power of the living God is, is doing something really in your life to conform you to the image of Yeshua? I mean, are you on a path that says, I want to be more like my Savior? Do you even know where to begin, what that means? I hope you do. So, I think that's part of why our thrust here is Lisa, look at me, and it's my terminology, and it doesn't have to be where we go with this. But I'm looking for Gideon 300 anymore. I don't care if nobody comes here. I don't care if we have a lot of people here. But I'm looking for Gideon 300. Those that are in the battle enough on a personal level that know when you're going to go try to get some water, possibly in the presence of the adversaries, that you're not going to go plunge your face into the water. You're going to pick it up and lap it. Gideon said, those are the guys I want. The rest of you go home. You know, have you thought this through myself? I'm asking you, have you thought this through? I mean, it was what, like 30,000 going back home? Can you imagine the gossip and the talk and what was said about Gideon? It's like, who does he think he is to send us home? And then the, 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 the guys that are left, it's like, what is he thinking? We are going to do this without all of them? I, as I said in my blog, I think sometimes God gives us Grand Canyon challenges to show us that we cannot get over the Grand Canyon on our own. The only way we're going to live out what God is wanting us to live out is in His power. All right, I beat this to death. I hope you get where I'm going with this. I don't have it down. I'm not an expert at this, but I'm still in the battle. I've not given up on God, or on me, or anything, or his word. Sometimes I'm waning more, or waxing and waning, which is the one. I'm waning more than waxing. 
But as I was, Judy and I were listening to a podcast on the way here by a, a Christian preacher, somehow God is able to interweave into the fabric of what he's trying to create in our lives, all the sins, all the wrongs, all the stupid things that we've done, I'm adding words to it. God can is in a process of weaving a tapestry of our life that will reflect who he is. And each one of us are going to have a little different thing about us. Anyway, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you don't give up on us. I thank you that you realize that this, our lives are a work in process. And, um, but that you will perfect in us that which you want done. And I thank you for that. And that all these things that come into our life, they all work because of your behind the scenes, together for good, to those that love you, to those who are the called according to your purpose. Father, I'm, I'm kind of tired of me. I'm, I'm tired, and I don't mean it in a disparaging, disgruntled, or even overwhelmingly sad way. It's just enough is enough in my life. And I think enough is enough in the life of your people. And I have to believe that you're aware of the condition of your people. And, and I do want to think and believe that even that Yeshua is coming and he is working in us to perfect us for when he comes back to receive his bride. So Father, help us to just yield afresh to you once again our lives. And be honest with ourselves before you about where we are in our relationship with you. I can't do it. I wish my preaching could change hearts. It can't. I've learned that over the years. All I can do is hope that somehow your spirit will work in my own heart. And if there's one person that I can touch, that would be great. I ask these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Just one last thought before I close this. I was listening to, because I've had time at work, I've listened to the Christian radio station, and some of you may know who Chuck Swindoll is. I, I Chuck Swindoll, uh, John MacArthur, and uh, 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 Stanley were guys that I really clung to back in years gone by, and I, I have nothing bad to say about them. But I was listening to Charles, uh, I'm sorry, Chuck Swindoll, and uh, it was at the end of the program, and he and he's been doing the radio ministry for like 37 years. I mean, he's been in the ministry a long time. Actually, he pastored somewhere in, in towards Boston early on after he got out of seminary, and he said, please go. He gives a testimony himself, more or less. It's like, thank you, but no thank you. So he leaves there, and somehow he gets out to California, and the rest sort of becomes history. But where I'm going with this, about the bride getting ready, and I want us to realize that God may be doing something now in our lifetime. I was amazed to hear... And Chuck Swindoff, you're listening to this. I hope I don't misquote you. But he was saying that he believes that we're living in the time of the soon return of Christ. And I thought, isn't this amazing? Because of all the things that are going along, there seems to be across the board in, in ways that have never happened in my lifetime as a believer where there's this actual belief that Jesus is coming back soon, which I always find interesting because these guys are pre-tribulational rapturism and have always believed that, um, poof, we could be gone at any minute, which never made sense to me because it appeared to me a bunch of whole lot of stuff had to happen, and even George Mueller, who was involved uh, in, in, in the... Uh, 
this whole thing of when does Messiah come back, he said, and part of the reason he, he left the fellowship or wasn't re- anymore received in his fellowship uh, and, and, and the whole group that he was with is because he didn't believe in pre-tribulation rapture. He, and he said, I got on my phone, I, didn't, I, I don't believe that Yeshua comes back before the man of sin is revealed. So and that's an aside. The point of all this was I find it interesting that even our, our Christian leaders evidently are starting to notice something's in the air. You know, something's in the air that's not been this way in our lifetimes, pretty much starting probably with the birth of the nation of Israel again and working to where we are now. What I'm saying is all the gold and the silver you can amass for an economic downfall is not going to help you. It's just not. You can camouflage yourself, get food supplies, arm yourself to the hilt. You know, when God had the children of Israel go out, Right? They went boldly. They went boldly. They had a few things with them, but it's like, boosh, they were gone. The first exodus, the greater exodus, I'm not going to be spending my time preparing that way. I'll shut with this. I want us to start preparing ourselves spiritually, believing. First off, we have to know what the Word of God says so that we can hold to it so when the difficult time comes, we can, read, we can believe that God can send a raven to feed us. We forgot that. We can remember that God sent down manna from heaven to feed us. We can remember that their shoes didn't wear out for 40 years. That's the God I want us to believe in again. No. Camouflaging our places, getting food, got ammunition, bless God, I'm ready. Let it come. (laughs) You're not ready. Overemphasis on the wrong things. I'm done.